Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Single Tracks podcast. My name is Jeff, and today Aaron and Greg and I are going to talk about mountain bike trail difficulties. So when mountain bikers talk about trail difficulties, really they're talking about two different things, physical difficulty and technical difficulty. And this is a lot of times people blur the two things together, um, which makes sense. If you're talking to a beginner rider, they don't really care if a trail is technically difficult or physically difficult. But we thought it would be interesting to talk about the differences and what goes into those ratings and talk about some ways that those ratings can be slightly more objective and less subjective. So I want to start by asking you guys, what does it mean for a trail to be physically difficult? I think in the most general term, when you're talking about physical difficulty, you're talking about something that is going to be aerobically taxing. So, you know, it's something that's going to leave you out of breath or leave your legs burning. So, yeah, you got to be in shape. Yeah, basically. When we're talking about beginners, lots of times trails that are physically difficult, they're still achievable, say, for somebody who does like other sports a lot, like runs or does something of that nature. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of the factors that make a trail physically difficult? Length can definitely be one because even an easy trail can be physically difficult if it's long enough. You know, to use an example of a trail that we have around here, Fort Yargo, here in Georgia, um, you know, there's not much climbing. If you took any section of that trail as by itself, it would be easy to ride for any level of rider. But if you do the whole loop, that's around 13 or so miles, which is a pretty good loop. So, you know, if you go out there and do a lap or two, you'll definitely be physically tired when you finish. Another factor is elevation gain or how much the trail climbs and hopefully consequently descends as well. You know, so a flat loop is going to be a lot easier than a loop that does a lot of climbing. But at the same time, you also need to consider the steepness of the climbs. You could have a long loop that has, you know, a pretty gradual climb that, but that gains a good bit of elevation overall, or you could have a bunch of short, really steep climbs. And each of those is going to be different in difficult in different ways. Yeah. And one more factor that I just thought of is the actual altitude of the trail. So a high altitude trail, something, you know, if we're talking 8,000 or 10,000 feet above sea level, it's definitely going to be more physically demanding than a trail, say, at sea level. The cool thing about all of these physical characteristics or the physically difficult trails that we're talking about are all pretty objectively quantifiable. So we can look at a length and measure it in miles or kilometers or whatever, and and that gives us a good idea for how hard the trail is. Same thing with climbing elevation. Even grades can be measured. You can say, you know, this trail has a 7% grade, which is going to be more physically difficult than one with a 2% grade. So that one is actually pretty easy to handle. 
The other side of the equation, though, is the technical difficulty of a trail. And this is something that mountain bikers struggle with, definitely struggle to communicate. So if you go to a trail system and you're looking at the map, a lot of times they'll have like a blue square or a green circle indicating the difficulty of the trail. And usually that's referring to the technical difficulty. So what does it mean for a trail to be technically difficult? Well, Jeff, there's a bunch of different things that play into this, but one thing that is one of the first things to look at is how wide the trail is. Lots of times, um, beginner trails, especially these days, are built specifically to have a wider trail tread. And uh, I think personally, lots of times I don't consider how wide the trail tread is, but when you have a builder on the ground, that's the first thing they're going to talk to you about. And sometimes you know, we can have trail treads that are 24 to 36 inches wide, like two to three feet that are still considered single track, but that's definitely like beginner single track. And then you can get into like, let's say a cow trail that's like 12 to 10 or eight inches wide. And by the sheer fact that it's that much narrower, you know, we're talking maybe half the width of a beginner trail or a third the width, you know, it makes it much more difficult. What else? There's got to be a bunch of other factors here. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll just keep going. So once you have that trail with you, know, that affects it. But what you encounter in the trail are the things we generally discuss. So the trail surface can make it more difficult and what you find in the surface. So whether or not these are obstacles or part of the trail surface depends on how you look at it. But, you know, things like rocks, you know, are the uh, number one feature. Roots. Uh, anything you encounter in the trail, it's not just sort of like flat, smooth dirt. That tends to make it more difficult. And the more often you encounter those things, like if you're encountering rocks all the time versus once in a while, and how big those items are, you know, can all affect it. And I mean, this is like a lot of what we talk about in our trail articles, right? Are the different types of, of obstacles or things in the trail surface that maybe you don't see in every place, like maybe in the East Coast, there's a lot of roots. Maybe out West, there's more rocks or different types of rocks, you know? So we spend a lot of time talking about these things. And uh, I think that's why it's hard to quantify because these types of obstacles, you know, vary from place to place, you know, they vary from trail to trail. Like, like, let's say you are used to rocks, but you're not used to roots, or then you have rocks and roots. Like, what the heck do you do, you know? So these things um, can be very challenging for beginners. Right. Yeah, and that's, uh, like you said earlier, Greg, you know, you said generally a narrow trail is going to be more technically difficult, which is true, but it's not, you know, that's not like a hard and fast rule because you could you could have a trail that's really wide and it's just a big open field of rocks where you there is no clear line and that would be something that's technically difficult so yeah there is like jeff mentioned when we started talking about the technical difficulty there is a lot of gray area i guess you'd say yeah and one other thing that makes like wider trails possibly easier is like let's say you got one rock in it maybe you can go around it if you've got a really wide right. trail if you've got a really narrow trail maybe you have to go over it but you know we talk about like general rules, but like you said, if if the whole trail is rocks and it's six feet wide, it doesn't really matter. You're still riding over the rocks. So, yeah. Well, what about exposure? Does that make a trail more technically difficult or more challenging for people? So this exposure is included in the, the IMBA factors for what makes a trail a difficult trail. But here's yeah, another place where I disagree with uh, IMBA. 
because a flat, smooth trail with a 500-foot drop-off on the right side doesn't automatically make it a black diamond trail. It just means it's a high-consequence trail. So the difficulty to ride the trail is the same. It just means if you come off the trail, you're going to be possibly dead instead of just rolling you know, through the undergrowth or something. You know. So an example of this is we just recently did top beginner trails state by state in the U.S. based on uh, database rankings. And the Flume Trail won for... Uh, Nevada, which I found interesting because the Flume Trail is extremely exposed in spots. You know, you're talking like uh, not a thousand foot sheer cliff drop, but like a thousand foot roll and tumble or more, you know, down uh, a series of cliffs, which um, would not be pleasant. So it's a it's very easy trail to ride. Like there's nothing technically challenging about it, but it's exposed. So how this plays into like, let's say a beginner rider is the fear factor. So it's not any more difficult to ride this trail than if it didn't have the drop off, but riders who aren't used to exposure automatically tense up and they have like this fear of falling, which can, you know, negatively impact their performance. You know, they could be looking off the edge, which is where you don't want to be looking. You know, they could be tensed up and not quite as loose on the bike, which maybe could send them off the edge. So uh, it's a factor, but it doesn't make the trail itself more difficult. So exposure is always an interesting one. Yeah, I would I would agree with you to an extent, but I would say it's definitely not limited to beginner riders. I know when we did when we came out to Salida and rode with you last year, when we did Canyon Creek, I believe, which was an amazing ride. Everyone should do that. So after we topped out and we did the descent, it was high speed, and there wasn't very you know, there wasn't a whole lot of technical features in the trail, but there was some exposure. You know, if you clipped a pedal or you went off, you were going to go, you know, tomahawking through a boulder field. And I think that's also, it just depends on where you're from. You know, you, you've been living out there for a while, so that's kind of the riding that you're used to. But on the East Coast, you know, we don't have those long stretches of exposure necessarily. So I find myself more comfortable going faster through weaving through trees than I do, you know, bombing something straight away with a lot of exposure on one side still, you know, and I would, I would not consider myself a beginner rider by any means. So that, that's something I, I definitely still struggle with. Oh, you're totally right. And, uh, I think, you know, there's, I mean, we could, maybe we could do a whole podcast on this, but there's a lot of different things you can do to even just train and get used to exposure. You know, I remember growing up, I used to be super afraid of heights and then, uh, I started rock climbing and I had to get over that pretty quick, you know? So like, for instance, people who are used to like hanging out, like on a rock cliff, a thousand feet up or something, like if let's say you do a multi-pitch climbing, you're not going to be worried about a trail where you might tumble down the rocks. But if you're used to, you know, riding through the plains of Kansas, it's a different thing. So it's definitely, yeah, you make a great point. Hey, we're getting a lot of beard interference, Greg, just FYI. Put a ponytail on it. Yeah. <laughs> you should braid it. Well, it almost sounds like exposure could be sort of its own category apart from technical and physical difficulty. It's almost like a psychological difficulty, um, which is kind of interesting. I never thought about that. So another type of obstacle that we didn't mention is man-made features. So bridges, ramps, uh, things like that. And sweet jumps, sweet jumps and with these, you know, just the fact that they're on a trail doesn't always make it difficult because a lot of times there's going to be ride arounds or, you know, rolling over a 
kicker is a lot easier than, you know, actually launching it or, you know, having to gap a double versus being able to roll over it definitely plays into that. So that doesn't necessarily make it a tough trail, but you can make it more difficult. Psychological aspect, I think definitely plays into technical difficulty as well, because anyone that's ridden through a really long rock garden knows how mentally taxing that can be just because you have to be so focused and, you know, so precise and, you know, you're, you're worried about staying on your line and not crashing. So that's a whole other, and maybe we could do a, a whole another episode on that, but yeah, the mental side of it is something that adds to the, to the technical difficulty more than the physical difficulty, I would say. Physiological difficulty. Ooh. That's a good word. Also speaking to like the, the man-made features, I think the psychological difficulty is something we see over there as well. Like lots of times a feature like a bridge may be built to actually make the trail easier. Maybe it's going over like a marsh or, you know, something that's not sustainable to build in. But lots of times, even if the bridge is four feet wide, if it doesn't have handrailings on it, people can have a hard time riding it if they're not used to it um, because they're like, Oh no, I'm going to fall off, but they don't realize that the bridge is actually wider than the trails that they ride all the time. So again, it's a mental playing into it. Yeah. And on top of all that, the conditions can change depending on weather. So an icy trail is obviously going to be much more technically difficult than say a dry trail. And and same for the bridges too. A wet bridge is going to be way more dangerous than a dry one. So obviously there are a lot of factors that go into the technical difficulty rating of a trail and yet we still attempt to assign standardized ratings. So like I said earlier, the you've got your green beginner trails, your blue intermediate trails, your black advanced trails, and then some places you'll see like a double black diamond for expert trails. So I'd like to know how are these trail ratings determined and are they standardized sort of across the nation? If I ride a black diamond trail, you know, here in Atlanta, is it going to be the same as a Black Diamond Trail in Brevard? So even though we try to think like these things are standardized, the first thing to realize is they're really not. Like a great example is we're just saying cross the nation. But over in Europe, I was looking at the trail signs. I was like, what is this red stuff? What does red mean? And they're like, what do you mean? What does red mean? That's intermediate. I was like, well, it's not intermediate in the U.S. <laughs> like, So on the, the European trail signs, maybe you see green, but green would be super beginner, but blue would be more or less beginner, and then you have red and then black and then maybe double black, but probably not. So again, even the colors and the symbols are different from, say, the states to Europe, which you would think it would be the same. Why wouldn't it be? But it's not, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, – and then – even within a country, no matter how standardized we try to make things, it still varies from place to place. If you're at all familiar with, say, downhill skiing, I grew up in the Midwest and a black diamond run or even a double black. We had double black diamonds at my hill that was 365 feet tall. <laughs> you know, those don't count as a those don't even count as a blue run, you know, in Colorado. So it's the same thing with mountain bike trails, really. Well, I won't say necessarily varies from state to state because as we've talked about over and over again, you can have some really tough trails even in flat states or eastern states or different places. I think it varies a lot from trail system to trail system. Lots of trail systems you'll have green, blue, black, but the blacks may not be blacks, you know? 
Well, Imba actually suggests grading the trails relative to other trails in that same system. So, yeah, a black diamond trail in one network may be a blue run somewhere else. So it's it's obviously it's not a perfect system, but I think it is the most useful system for the rider because if you try to standardize the grading system globally or nationally, you're going to have a shit ton of green tra- trails, basically. <laughs> and I think you need a more granular, granular level for the rider. So, you know, grading within the system allows for a greater distinction because, okay, maybe, you know, take Blankets Creek here. You know, there's some blue trail. There's green trails. There's blue trails. There's, I'm sure they have a black trail. But, you know, if you compared that to, you know, Somewhere out in Colorado, maybe maybe those would all be green trails. But if you were actually to go out there and ride at Blankets Creek, there is difference among each individual trail, right? Like the blue trails at Blankets Creek are more difficult than the green trails at Blankets Creek. So I think you do need to just grade within each individual system. Like I was riding up in uh, Snowshoe this summer and I hit some of the, the black trails right away on the downhill bike and everything was fine. But there was a couple double black diamond trails, which I, I've only been to a couple other bike parks, but one of them is Whistler. And I've been on a couple of black, double black diamond trails at Whistler. And it's like one of the scariest things I've ever ridden in my life. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to stay off those. And then I talked to some other riders and they're like, oh no, no, like you can, you can totally do it. And I did and I rode them and they were a lot of fun. But, you know, even at like a bike park, like snowshoes, double black diamond would only be a black diamond at Whistler, for instance. But the double black diamond at snowshoe was definitely more difficult than their standard black diamond. So I think you have to have ratings within the system and not try to standardize across all trails everywhere. Maybe you need to have like a baseline for the network to say like this network is a five or whatever. And then once you're there... They can individually grade them. I mean, for me, with single tracks and the way we've set up our site to be a resource for people, I see a lot of value in being able to compare trails within a state, certainly, and even across the U.S. So to know that, hey, I like riding Blankets Creek here. That's about my level. You know, if I go out to Colorado, you know, I'd love to be able to find something that's a similar difficulty level. Um, and, and my understanding of Imba's trail difficulty rating system is that they are trying to standardize that. I don't think that individual trail groups do that in practice, but the trail difficulty rating system is very specific about the width of the trail. You know, is it 36 inches wide or is it, you know, 48 inches wide? You know, that determines how difficult the trail is. And again, it's not a perfect system because trails aren't uniform. So it's not like the trail is the same width all the way around. And, you know, there may be a couple of rocks that are six inches or higher, but most of them are two inches or whatever. So it's still not a perfect system. But my understanding is that that, that rating system is meant to be more portable and, and standardized so that people get an honest assessment of what they're getting into and not just how difficult is it compared to something else that I'm familiar with? I mean, that's sort of the same idea behind the ski trail rating system, right? Like lots of times you look at a ski map and you'd be like, hey, this resort has no double black diamond runs, so maybe I'm not interested. Or this resort has no green or blue runs, and so I can't go here, mm-hmm. you know? So I think there's value to the 
the system of being standardized. But I think no matter how standardized it is, it, it isn't super standardized like Aaron said. So I think where when this becomes a problem is when people are like, oh, I ride a black trail at home. Let me jump into the black trails here in this new system that I've never been to right away. Mm-hmm. And then they get in over their heads, they get injured and they get carted out. You know, so a great way to work around this if you know you're listening and you're not sure like where you should be going or what you should be doing is sort of easy style it and like work your way up. Like let's say you show up a new system and you're concerned about the difficulties of some of the harder trails. Start on the easier ones, work to the intermediate ones, and then you know if you're doing good, you're gonna get to the expert eventually. Maybe it'll take you 30 minutes to work your way through some of the easier trails, but it's better than ending up on like a drop filled, super crazy, super gnarly trail. You know, um, it's the same sort of thing you try to do with skiing when you show up at a new resort, like warm up and then move to difficult trails. I do the same thing at a bike park. You know, it's a little bit easier to do at a bike park than at a standard trail system, but I try to start on beginner and intermediate trails and slowly work my way up instead of just diving straight in. So if you just sort of ride, smart about it, you know, you should be fine. Start with a blue. <laughs> right. Start in the middle, work your way up or down. So we kind of covered this, but when we're talking about these, these color ratings of trails, what are these communicating? Are they typically communicating physical difficulty, technical difficulty, or a little bit of both? What have you guys experienced? I think they're supposed to be communicating te- technical difficulties, but I see a lot of trail systems that try to lump aerobic difficulties in with it. And for some trail systems, gen- honestly, the only thing that's making the difference is the aerobic difficulty. Like, let's say you have a green trail, blue trail, and a black trail in this system. But all the none of the trails have any rocks. It's just the black ones have more climbs and steeper climbs. You know, which maybe that's a little bit more difficult, but honestly... Sometimes those ratings are referring to just more aerobically difficult trails because none of the trails are technically difficult. So we do see that sometimes. That's why you got a rate within the system, right? <laughs> but then it's all green trails. You should just be like, this is going to take you longer and require more effort. You know? Right. Well, we should note too that on single tracks, a lot of people will question the ratings, the difficulty ratings on trails systems. And it should be noted that when people are asked to review a trail on single tracks, um, we provide them with that EMBA trail difficulty rating system chart so that they can honestly assess the difficulty of the trail. And when we ask that question too, we don't even have the colors. There's no green, blue, black, because I think that does tend to skew people's opinions a little bit. So we, we ask for that honest assessment. And then what we do is we average the responses that people give us. So again, trying to get rid of biases because to a beginner, you know, any trail is advanced and is difficult. So, um, we're trying to, trying to aggregate that and get more of a consensus rather than, you know, a single person going out and saying, yep, this is a intermediate trail or this is difficult. And it's also interesting that this can kind of change over time as the trail grades or, you know, gets eroded or, or maybe work is done to, you know, smooth it out and make it easier. So our hope is that at least on single tracks, those difficulty ratings are living and they're able to grow sort of with the system. And then also people, sometimes people will complain and say, Hey, I can't believe this is a beginner trail. This is 20 miles long. 
Um, and again, you know, our ratings are completely separate from the physical difficulty. Um, and so if you're trying to figure out the physical side of a trail, you can, again, look at the length, which we provide, um, and often we'll also provide the climbing elevation so you can get an idea of, of how physically demanding a trail is going to be. So speaking of the difference between physical and technical difficulty, I wonder if there, if you guys can think of an example of a trail that is physically difficult but not technically difficult. Sticking with the local trails here, I would say the Van Michael Trail at Blankets Creek, it's got a handful of technical elements, a little bit of exposure in a couple spots, but on the whole, I wouldn't consider that a technical trail. However, it does have some super steep climbs, which can be really exhausting, especially if you know, especially if you leave that trail for last in the end of the day and you go out there after you've ridden everything else in the network, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be tough to get up over some of those grunts. Yeah. I think, you know, I could pick out maybe like local examples, like some of the climbing trails of Buffalo Creek will be familiar to people on the front ranges, easy, but taking a lot of physical work. But I think basically anytime you have a lot of climbing, but few rocks and obstacles, the trail probably fits this description. Yeah. And and thinking about this question, you know, I was I was thinking about, you know, for example, what what would you do if you had a friend who rides road bikes like all the time, super fit, but he's never gone mountain biking? And this is the kind of trail that that you want to pick for them. So a trail that, you know, it's going to be physically difficult, but there's not going to be a lot of rock skills required or anything like that. And so what I would do with someone like that who's like really really fit and, you know, wants to show off a little bit, you know, I'll, I would take them to somewhere like a fire road climb, you know, in North Georgia, where you just, you're just pounding up a mountain for miles and miles off road still, but you know, again, nothing that's going to be technically difficult. And so, yeah, they, I think we have to keep in mind too, there are different types of beginners. They're like beginner beginners, people who, you know, couch to mountain bike trail people that don't do anything and, you know, don't know, how to navigate technical terrain. And then there are also people who are, you know, again, physically fit, but they don't have those technical skills yet. So I'm going to flip it around. What's an example of a trail that is physically easy, but technically difficult? Is there such a thing? Uh, as I alluded to earlier, I think it's kind of hard to have one without the other, but a trail that I can think of is the John Wirt Trail. It's in central Pennsylvania, and I rode it during the Transylvania Epic there. And it's flat as a pancake, but it is nothing but rocks. And it's it's wide. It's just this, I don't know, three, four, five-mile-long rock garden that's flat. And it's, you know, it's it's wide, so there's no clear line. Uh, you're just getting bounced around all over the place. So it's not necessarily an aerobic challenge unless you're racing and then, you know, everything's aerobically challenging, but it's certainly physically challenging just to, to hold on to your bars. Yeah, I agree with Aaron. I think it depends a bit on length and speed. You know, if you have a long high speed descent, tons of rocks, I mean, anytime you do that, that speed is going to be really physical, but there are a few trails locally that I can think of such as Uncle Nasty or again, going back to Buffalo Creek, um, specifically Blackjack there which you know, are very technically difficult. You have big features or very tricky lines, but since you're going to be going, you have to be going slow through those trails because there's no wide open lines and maybe you'll be stopping to look at features. You know, 
it's not going to be a big physical challenge, but it could be very, very difficult um, bike handling and maybe you can't even ride it. I don't know. You know, so we walked some features at Buffalo Creek for sure um, on the blackjack trail. So those are, there are those trails out there, but I think they're a bit rare. Yeah. I mean, the one, one that came to mind for me was some of the black diamond trails in Palmer park and Colorado Springs. These are, you know, sort of ledgy trails with some rock features and things and you're descending um, and generally slowly, at least that's how I ride them, um, <laughs> trying to roll over everything. So again, yeah, it's not, it's not super physical. Maybe you get a little leg burn, a little, little arm pump, but, but yeah, other than that, you're, you're really just focused on the technical challenge and not so much the physical side of it. A lot of Moab could be like that too. If you, you know, stop and play around on, on some of the slick rock out there, I think you could definitely consider that to be technically challenging but less physically so yeah right on so final question for you guys for people who don't ride a lot of technical trails does technical automatically equal fun like are people missing out on technical riding or fun trails if if they aren't really into technical i think that's a loaded question (laughs) would i say they're missing out probably does technical always equal fun? No, definitely not. I've ridden plenty of technical trails and I'm just like, ah, oh, this just sucks. But does everybody need to like technical trails? I don't think that needs to be the case either. You know, I mean, it's fine if people don't want to ride technical trails, but I still might think they're missing out on um, what could be some really cool experiences. Um, so <laughs> it's a complicated question there, Jeff. Yeah, I think it's it's all up to the individual rider. Personally, I like really technical trails. Um, just last weekend, I was riding at Coldwater Mountain in Anniston, Alabama, and they recently added a really technical trail called Gaza. It's a two-mile-long rock garden, and it's got some legit moves in it. You have to get up and over some big boulders and then back down the other side. But to ride it, you end up missing out on part of another trail there called Bomb Dog, and that's kind of the crown jewel of the system over there. Um, but Bomb Dog's much flowier. So some of the guys that I was riding with, they rode Gaza once and they were like, okay, that was cool. Cross it off the list. I don't need to do that again because they'd rather ride all of Bomb Dog. You know, they'd rather not miss that top two miles of it. But for me, I would have a hard time passing up Gaza. I like that stuff, so I'll seek it out. But yeah, technical trails are not for everyone. I think the good thing about most trail systems now is you have the option, right? There's variety and trail builders are always looking for ways to add cool features and whether that's man-made or incorporating things that are there. And I see them getting added to trail systems all the time and they still have, you know, even on green and blue trails, you may find some of those things, but they'll have ride arounds for them. So you know, you can ride with your buddy that doesn't like technical stuff and you can both have a good time because there's, there's options. Yeah. From my perspective, I would say to people just starting out that they don't need to be in a rush to get to technical trails, if that makes sense. So, you know, mountain biking is really fun. And if you're a beginner and you're enjoying it, then keep enjoying it. You know, it's not like, Oh, now that you can do technical trails, it's like twice as fun or something. Um, it's to me, it's a different kind of fun. I enjoy both, but I would have a hard time saying one is more fun than the other. You know, just being on a flow trail and flying through the woods, man, that's, that's a lot of fun. But then also 
taking a really technical trail and making it to the bottom. I mean, the sense of accomplishment is a lot different and yeah, just being able to take your bike, you know, feeling like you could take your bike anywhere and, you know, conquer any terrain. That's, that's fun too. So I would say just, just enjoy where you're at. And if the technical stuff is calling to you, then, you know, definitely check it out, but it's, it's not a requirement. Well, great. This has been a fun discussion about technical mountain bike trails. Hopefully by the end of this, you, people understand the difference between physical and technical difficulty. If you'd like to learn more about difficult trails or maybe even see some of the most difficult, most technical trails in the world, be sure to search single tracks for technical or difficult and you'll find some interesting articles. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Peace.